Welcome. I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. Here I share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. Be sure to check out the show notes where you'll find details about the episodes, plus important links, including the link to the Dogged Planner and Workbook created just for handlers on a mission. So if you're ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a very special guest today from her Start Line podcast. Kara Armour is here with us, and we are going to take on the delightful, the exciting, the joyful, just kidding, topic of grief, uh, because we have both gone through it this year, and um, we think that it needs to be a topic that is brought to the forefront And before we go any further, we're just going to say like, disclaimer, we are just handlers who've gone through it. Um, We are not psychologists. We are not psychiatrists. We are not grief experts. Um, We are not any sort of, we don't have parchment hanging on the wall that tells us we should be talking about this, but we've been through it and we think that it should be talked about. And so we're going to do that. So without further ado, welcome back, Kara. Well, thank you for having me. I'm not excited to be on about these, (laughs) but I am very happy to be on. And I'm super grateful because I do believe this is a topic, particularly among the handler community that should be discussed openly and freely, because as we know, we have a different level of relationship with our animals. And that I think makes or can make grief hit differently, harder, more complicated, definitely more complex. So, yeah, I, I agree. And I think the word that keeps coming up for me is permission. Um, you know, permission to talk about it, permission to go through it the way that you're going through it and to recognize that every journey is really different. Um, and yeah. And so, and we're going to talk about all kinds of things, but as, as an overview of why we're getting into this is I lost my girl of 12 and a half years in August and for a burner, 12 and a half years is like, you know, fabulous. Like, so yeah, so we're excited about that. And, um, because I know everybody always wants to know like causes, you know, because we always need to know that, um, she, we believe it was lymphoma. We tried to aspirate some things and just got inconclusive back and all of that nonsense. Um, but in the end, after only about a three-week um, kind of, I don't even say battle, but just about three weeks of it, um, what ended up being kind of the final straw is her lymph nodes are under her neck um, got so inflamed that she couldn't breathe. She could only breathe standing up. She couldn't, like as soon as she would lay down, she couldn't get her breath. Her head had to be in kind of a very specific position. And um, yeah, so that was that. And, um, you know, oh, also just FYI, if one of us, both of us, you know, get all choked up and crying, like that's real life. We might do that. Just, just, you'll know. Um, but we are going to try not to go too dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, And my um, coping mechanism is always humor. So if I suddenly make a joke about it, it's because I'm trying not to cry. (laughs) I wish mine was humor. (laughs) (laughs) What is yours? 
unfortunately food it, it has been yeah it's and I've always had a weird relationship with food but it's just been around the holidays too mm. it was really 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 tough so um but I do find and I want to thank you for sharing I find that humans have a natural curiosity and yes. I feel sharing how we lost our animals um, educates uh, they might look for something because even though we know we are the most in tuned with our dogs there's yeah. certain that we can overlook and I'm, I'm sure you looking back I think this happens to everybody you're like oh okay I well you know and through. actually to that point <laughs> that that's a good and I should say a little more because you're right we always are like well how'd you find it or what were the symptoms and you know because a I think we're trying to prevent it ourselves but we're always, we are always trying to learn and so she went for a checkup July 1st and I was super annoyed about this checkup because it really was a checkup just to give get her re-upped on gabapentin which she'd been on for several years and mm -hmm. her NSAID which is meloxicam or was meloxicam and um so I was kind of annoyed I was like oh you gotta be kidding me she's been on this forever like I can't believe I have to go do blood tests just to get this prescription and blah, 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 blah. and um so we go and the vet's like, well, let's do her senior blood work. You know, we're going to do these tests anyway. We're going to check her liver. You know, how's she doing on the, that? Let's just do it. Fine, fine. Do her senior blood work. And um, she noticed a rear career lymph nodes right above her hock were a little bit uh, bigger. And I was like, oh, well, that's weird. I said, but, you know, she's Lyme positive. So her Lyme does flare from time to time and being older and, and whatever. It's like, like we know that too much. <laughs> yeah, ex this. And uh, I said, so that wouldn't surprise me. And she goes, well, let's do the blood work. Let's see how it comes back. So I think that July 1st was on a Friday or Saturday, maybe even. And I don't go to the vet usually on Saturdays, but I think it was a Saturday. And so she called like, you know, Monday, Tuesday and was like, yep, her Lyme is high. You know, they didn't have an exact number because we didn't do a separate test. And she said, all these other markers look fine. I can compare it against the blood work she had with us X time ago. And um, yeah, for her age, th this is the movement we would expect to see. No flags. In other words, no flags. So she's like, let's do the, put the doxy. Let's do a round of doxy. I'm like, yeah, we do a round of doxy pretty much once a year in here in Tickville. And, um, and let's do that. Well, two, I think two weeks later, she wasn't really better. And the vet and I were emailing back and forth. She's amazing. And so at that time she was like, well, let's, you know, add some turkey tail, um, mushroom for the inflammation and let's try to get that down. At first, I think it did make a, 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 a dent and then her lymph nodes just were not getting any smaller. And then her ones under her neck were getting bigger. So back to the vent, we went, uh, around the six. It's funny how you remember all the dates, right? Oh yeah. Um, uh, you remember on the 16th and we went back and she tried to aspirate and send it off and they came back inconclusive. And I mean, she aspirated all of them and, you know, did that, but I wasn't going to do a biopsy because I'm not going to put her under, I'm not doing that to a 12 and a half year old because what difference does it make? What am I going to do with the result? Right. If she were three, that would be a different thing, but a 12 and a half year old burner, we're already setting records. It's fine. So a couple of days later, she calls, she's like, yeah, they're inconclusive. I'm like, well, she's not getting better. She's like, let me give you a script for pred. And then if you want it, you can do it. So I started to try the PRED and the PRED, which is the wonder drug, backfired. I mean, really yeah. backfired on us. She was terrible because, of course, I had to pull her off the NSAID to do that because those don't play well together. And um, it was just it backfired. 
So I was like, this is not work. After about a week of that, I'm like, this is not working. I said, we got to wean her back off of this and back onto this. And so we did that and we stepped her on and off pretty quickly since she hadn't been on the pred that fast. And, you know, I call it, this was my pre-grief era, right? I feel like I went through that harder in because thinking about what's happening, thinking about what's happening, thinking about what's coming, thinking about what's coming. That's when I did the most shedding of the most tears. Um, and then finally on a Monday, <laughs> choked up, laugh, laugh. Okay. On a Monday, August 7th, um, I was like, I called it. I'm like, this is it. Cause she couldn't breathe. She couldn't sleep. She couldn't rest. And I was like, we're done. So I put on her, we have this, um, celebration collar. Yeah. So I put that on her. I put on a dress. I put on makeup. We went, we ate a whole thing of, well, no, those little baby things of ice cream and then an entire package of Nutter Butters because that's what's her favorite. <laughs> and I was like, what's she going to do? Get sick? Those like my I favorite hear. too, by the way. <laughs> she gotten along. <laughs> yeah, she loved them. And she ate like the whole pack. And I think that second half of the package, I was taking the tops off or whatever. But like, <laughs> what would difference is make? She's going to get Nutter Butters. It doesn't matter. And um, we walked into the vet. Yeah. I have a much more yeah. abridged version, but something that you touched upon, mine happened just so much faster, is yeah. kind of the pre-grief. And um, I have some friends that, I have one friend that I know truly understands me and another, and a bunch of my other friends that think I was insane. But the second Debbie essentially turned, I have a, I had a boxer. The second she turned eight, I was like, oh, I'm on borrowed time. People are like, stop. You're so dark. Like, but no, it's realistic. Life. Yeah, boxer's average lifespan is from eight to ten. And her tenth birthday, yeah. so glad. I threw a big party for her. I brought in cookies for everybody. That's cool. I dressed her up. I took silly, stupid pictures because awesome. it was a decade of Debbie. And I'm really yeah. glad I did that. But I cause she was such an incredible dog and so incredibly healthy up until literally the last day. And I had very similar trajectory as yours, but shortened down into like three days instead of three months. And Oof. Yeah. Oof. So yeah. I didn't get to have, I think my grief and has a little bit of a, a turn to it because while I'm at peace and I'll get into how she passed, I'm at peace with how she went and how fast that was. Yep. Miraculous. I felt so ripped open and I felt mm. like I had no time to celebrate this dog. And I had envisioned taking this, you know, and I was realistic. I knew she was. On yeah. The Right. Time for a I mean, we have we have we say the same things in burners, right? I mean, our our longevity is yeah, seven to nine, maybe eight to ten. Now that's it. Yeah, she was so lively and vivacious and running her fastest courses literally two weeks before she passed. Wow. That I envisioned taking this like twelve or thirteen year old arthritic boxer around the ring and doing you know all the jumps on the floor and doing a retired dog demo. You know. Yeah. That, yeah. I. I was going to drag out this massive celebration of this dog and that rug just got ripped out. And that I think emotionally took an excessive toll mm -hmm. on my grief and added to it. But what happened with Debbie is um, at eight years old, I did senior blood work and she came back with high SDMA kidney. So I was like, oh, this is going to get her. So I put her on all these supplements. <laughs> the beautiful story to that. I got her back in normal kidneys. I was like, great. So now I've like, I feel like I've conquered age with this right dog. which by the way everybody is going to want to know, want to know list names and links of your yeah. supplements now yes, which i highly recommend <laughs> um and i worked with an integrated vet so she was just fantastic so it just got to this point where everything was fine and then about 
maybe six months ago, she started to do this intermittent vomiting. And it would be every three months, then it was every two months, then it was every month. And my brain immediately goes to Walter. Her son has IBD, irritable bowel disease. Mm. Here we are, we're going down this. I'm going to get this, nip this in the bud. I'm going to get it under control before invitationals at the end of December. We got this. Right. And I couldn't. I switched proteins. We ran tests. And then finally, my veterinarian, because they're all extremely busy, they couldn't get me in until December 21st. So I went to Ugh. the specialty hospital. And this was very early December, end of November, actually. I went to the specialty hospital. I said, hey, look, I know she's not a patient in your referral hospital, mm -hmm. but her son was a patient. And wouldn't you just love to have, you know, genetically the same thing? <laughs> I wheeled my way in. Yeah, they couldn't have been kinder. They got me in for December 5th for an ultrasound because I was like, we have to start there. Let's do the diagnostics. So then my veterinarian gets this referral notice and they're like, wait a minute, you have to see us first. I said, but you couldn't get me in. Suddenly I get in. Right. This is shocking. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this was um, the Friday before December 4th, which was a Monday. And so I go in and she's la, 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 lively, happy, perfectly fine. Run blood work. We compare it to previous blood work. The only tiny little things we noticed were slightly elevated white blood cells. And okay. um, oh, and that she was dumping protein. And she's always dumped a little protein with the urine and everything. Her SDMA was still fine. But I feed raw and I've always kind of, my vets are always like, protein. I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And <laughs> yeah. then, but prior to the blood, so vet checks everything. And then she gets to her heart. She goes, whoa. I'm like, what? She goes, I hear an arrhythmia. I said, on my dog that has zeros on her halters? What? And she's like, has she been passing out? I said, no. She's, she's running six yards per second last week at the cluster. I'm passing wow. out. What are you talking about? She's been thrown up. So my vet was like, Ugh. You want to go to the ER? I was like, what? No. What are she's you like, talking about? If she, right. Uh, she's like, if she passes out or does anything strange, you're going to the ER. I said, okay, I promise. Like, I love this thing more than life. Yeah. Take a home right. equity for her. So right. that was Friday. I had pulled her from the trial on that Saturday, Sunday because of the throwing up. I, who wants to go run an agility? She loved it. Who wants to go run agility? Right. So my husband does what we do. Takes my other two dogs and goes and runs in the woods. She and Walter, her son, take off after some chipmunks smash into a barbed wire fence, missed the barbs by who knows, but like, oh, but I say the dog was more normal. She was normal from the vet because she had been throwing up and she was getting a little dehydrated. We were sent home with sub-Q fluids, which I know how to do. So Saturday night, I check her over. I do trust my husband. He's one of, he's not one of those husbands that's just careless. He's actually more, yeah. more safety conscious than I am, which is hard to believe, but he is. So I trusted him, but I still checked him over because, you know, barbed wire fence, who knows? They're sure. Bothered. Nothing. The dogs were great. They were fine. They were like happy asleep on the couch. Sunday, go to the trial. It was a cold, miserable, rainy day. What is Debbie going to do? Sleep on the couch the entire day. Normal. Sunday night, I come home, check her gums. They're tacky. I give her sub-Q fluids. Da, 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 da. She goes out, does her normal things. 2.17 a.m., December 4th. She normally sleeps in bed with us. She's sleeping on her little brown bed right next to me. And I hear this slight slide and a gurgle. And I wake up and I look over to her and she, sli she slid off the bed. And I said, Deb, Deb. And she looks at me with her eyes, doesn't lift her head, but looks with me in the eyes and I go, Debbie. And that's usually like, get up. And she's like, yeah, oh, I nope. cannot get up. And then I Oof. look closer. She has thrown up blood on her legs. So I snap into action. I'm right, because you're wide head. awake now. Yeah. Yes. 
But mind you, the next day we were having our floors, or that day we were having our floors in our bedroom redone. So we had nothing in the bedroom. Everything was oh, strewn in our guest room. Yeah. So I'm trying to find clothes. He tries to pick her up. Her proprioception, so her paws cannot right themselves. I am like, doomsday, here we go. So right. he carries her downstairs while I throw on clothes because he's a man and can go in whatever he's wearing. And <laughs> he gets her down outside, so true. She toddles, toddles around, pees and poops. I'm like, what? The dog was like passing out right so i'm like right. all right go to that and i know i'm still thinking stomach so i call the closest 24-hour emergency i said hey do you guys have an ultrasound oh that's something we could do in the morning before they could even finish up i hung up bye I went, yeah called the referral place it's 45 minutes away i don't know why i drove but i drove and my husband couldn't have been better because he sat in the back seat and he said She's she's leaning into your turns, which tells me she's conscious and aware. And, and I'm also right. driving yeah, yeah, badly. Right. <laughs> so of course, we get her there. But they got at three in the morning. You have the roads to yourself, so that's something. Yes, and I called them, and they they couldn't have been they couldn't have been more wonderful. So we get there and we try to stand her up. She's collapsing again, and I just tear off her little house coat. She wears this pink little house coat, <laughs> and I pull it off, and she goes in the gurney in the back, and then that sinking feeling of she's never leaving this building, never coming out. Right. Yeah. And so the veterinarian, I, I hate to use this word, but bless their souls. So they yeah. come in, they have to tell you all the things that they can find. And then they immediately have to go. Right. To them. And I literally stopped her and I said, you can stop the uncomfortable money conversation. I have literally will put an equity line down on this dog. So do not, you do what you have to do. And essentially they found a GI bleed, a mass near her spleen nodes in her lungs and um they were waiting for the cardiologist to come in so her collapsing episodes were because she was bleeding out and this terrible arrhythmia which they could hear so we said okay well we'll wait till the cardiologist comes i think the cardiologist was coming in at yeah six o'clock cardiologist comes in by like 6 30 they're like uh whoa i said what they go she has a massive tumor on her heart that's blocking her left atrium oh my what? god so she has like she literally just ran agility what are you talking correct about? she literally Whoa. just god these dogs have the biggest yeah okay. right so she literally just ran after chipmunks on saturday sunday probably was recovering from that or or suffering from that and so yeah so uh the lovely hamangio so she clearly, he said, look, I can't diagnose the hemangio on her heart without a biopsy, but I'm telling you this tumor's so big, even if it were benign, it's, it's it, right. she's toast, let alone we've got evidence that it's potentially in her lungs and clearly she's got a splenic mass or something else and this GI bleed, which Jeez. we didn't investigate because, um, right. so the slight silver lining. So now we're like, I've got to get home to the other dogs and switch out dog, switch out cars so I can come back and let these contractors in because i'm psycho and a control freak oh, my husband's yeah, like you right. need to just forget right. all of that we left the house unlocked somebody can go let our dogs out i was like no i have to and right. i also wanted to bring <laughs> yeah but also dogs. don't you think that's like a stress outlet at that moment oh yeah like i feel oh, yeah. like i gotta go control the things i can control because Correct. this situation is bat shit like i can't do yeah. anything about this situation so i'm gonna go yeah switch dogs and let contractors in because i'm in charge of my life i also life. wanted the dogs to be there even though the veterinarian i understood they had a policy they couldn't be there but we still brought them because they're just they have to grieve with us i can't hide my yeah. grief 
Um, and I think they knew when I was able to bring the shirt out from the hospital, let them smell it and all that. So anyways, in that time, cause she's now bleeding out and we know, um, mm. we, this, it's like a miracle happened. Uh, I've had my dog walking business for 20 years now. And one of our first clients was a veterinarian. She was brand new starting out. She sees us as we come back from, you know, switching the dogs out. So an hour, 15 minutes, we switch the dogs out, switch the car or switch, bring the dogs, get the other car. And uh, Dr. Sarah Allen comes out and she says, well, what are you, what are you, Karen, Jared, what are you guys doing here? And I just, oh I God. lose it. And I say, of course, we're here to, cause at this point we know we're here. Yeah. To let her right. Go. And she goes, oh my God, that is your boxer? And I said, mm-hmm. And she goes, I just brought my dog in to give the blood transfusion so that she would be alive. <gasps> oh and I was my like, God. <laughs> so the moral of that story, always take very good care of anyone else's pet. Because um, it will come back. Karma does come back. So she allowed us the, the minutes to say goodbye to her. And I, I want, there's so many things I wanted to do, but she was pacing and just so uncomfortable. Yeah. That I just was like, they have a button for this. I, I cannot say enough about how pleasant these people made an unpleasant experience. Now I've wow. put down four other dogs, and the veterinarians have always come to my house, and yep. you make it as pleasant as you can. You feel like you're doing this great thing because they're at home, yep. not very vet. And these veterinarians did what they could, and I I pressed the button. My husband was like, "She's just cold. The HEPA filter's blowing on her." And I was like, "No, she this right. no, this she's thing. not. Yeah." So yeah. Um, the fact wow. that. A dog with clear hemangio or a block of heart cancer and a GI bleed was chasing chipmunks day and a half. Amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. So that that's kind of my story. And um another thing is you talk about control, because we all know I'm in control. (laughs) I had this group of friends that I just was, I feel so badly, I just was telling them the the play by play at three o'clock in the morning. And some of them were responding. And then my first, this is, this is funny. My major <laughs> reaction when I realized that she passed and I, I put the post up was to immediately contact the president of my club because my club sends flowers. We have a sunshine fund. And I said, please yes. dare send flowers. Please donate to the American Boxer Charitable Foundation, Charitable Foundation, because we all <laughs> suffer with Mangio. And if a little bit more money can help us figure this out. Right. And that's what I told everybody. My classes were donating. So nice um, that was my control freak thing i was like i don't want <laughs> i can control this yeah. right i love the thought don't send me something else that's gonna die on the kitchen table <laughs> <laughs> yes. and i have a green thumb but there's only so much i can do in the dead of winter when they're cut so right. yeah that that was my story and then um i decided to take grief and shove it to the side and do is something insane. This was December 4th. Invitationals were what? The 17th? Yeah, like a week, right? Whoa. Oh, I did it. I went down there and uh, don't regret a single moment of it. But, uh, and I, I had some grieving moments along the way, but woo, my grief did not hit until after Invitationals. Well, that's and interesting so because, you know, watching, yeah, you probably did. So watching you from Facebook, Right. Because that was the only like seat I had at the table, I guess. Um, I, you know, it was this big celebration, right? Like every day was a different post. Every I day tried, was, I tried. Yes. And I <laughs> okay. Well, that actually helps me in that, you know, because, and this is another like kind of life lesson of all of this is like what you see 
may or may not be what's really going on. You know, I mean, like I did the post like right away. I did this very like celebratory post and then maybe like another one or so. But then I in my I got in my head and I was like, no one wants to see like the dead dog post every day on Facebook, <laughs> you know, yeah. in my friends were like amazing, right? They're, you know, sending gifts, cards, making amazing comments, all of this. But I I had this moment. I was like, well, I don't want my friends to feel obligated that they have to post. And like, I'm not dragging my friends through this. This was my like cathartic thing. And so when I watched you go through this out from the outside, right? And you're going to tell us what was actually going on inside. But like from the outside, I was like, damn, that's so cool. Like every day, like I would get excited to hear like another day of Debbie celebration, right? Because um, it was, you were celebrating out. And then I did think of you going to Invitational and I was like, good for you. I was like, go keep moving forward for the other dogs, for the experience, for the fact that she should be there. Like, yeah. So I'm sure it was hard, but from that, that's also interesting that from the outside, it was was it what it looked like or was it not what it looked like? I guess that's it a was, great question. It's a great question. It was a facade. Um, okay. I put the positive post up because I did not want to be that person that talked about the dead dog. And this is yeah. no judgment. I just didn't. No, think right. It's how we choose. Again, this, right. by, by the way, totally interrupting. But part of this conversation is how we choose to go through it and how it's so important to take your power back in this moment and do what you need to do. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And I actually point. admire because you, you, you've you seen my journey on Facebook. I admire yeah. those that, I, and I hate to just disparage it this way, but then put up the dead dog post. Right. Um like the, you know, the, when they, when they express their grief. So the facade was me positives because I felt like I can't be sad over this dog's life because it was so incredible. But you that's also where- had planned the celebration. See, I think that's interesting because in your kind of in the beginning of the story, you said, well, no, I had planned to do all these things. I had planned mm-hmm. that at 12 and a half, she was going to be doing the, you know, no bars your bars on the ground sort of run. So now if I look back, I think like, oh, well, you had the celebration on Facebook that you were robbed of in person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK. And then because I think I didn't allow the grief in. Um, you know, it, it leaks in no matter what you do. Oh, yes. You really cannot control oh, it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Every time I felt sad, I tried to counter that because, you know, control freak. Well, just counter right. it with a positive reinforcement trainer. You see something you don't like, do something you do. So that was the mindset <laughs> I tried to get into. And it did fine until I started to, my my glasses fell off. And I started to see things that grief, I know, was making me see about people and other dogs and just and then I lost it and I actually wrote a lot of posts that are locked and only shared with me and oh smart right so I will tell you that my husband is my best sounding board he tells me with no jaded words that I'm crazy when I'm crazy and whatever (laughs) and there's that post which I'm happy to share, but I read that post to him, which was locked down for a couple of days. That was not a new okay. that lockdown. And I just get in these moments and I read it to him and he said, Look, you're a beautiful writer, and that's that's your raw feelings. I don't see a problem with it. Because he's more private than I am. He's like, Where do you put that crap on Facebook? Okay. <laughs> but for me, I was sick of the facade and I was sick of people thinking that I was okay. And when people mm-hmm. called, I'm sure you went through this, 
90% of the time when you called, I was fine. I could talk like we're having a conversation now and not cry. And I wasn't a mess. And I just, this grief just comes whenever the heck. I mean, for me, it usually comes right. in the morning. I have no yeah. sleep. <laughs> well, and I was afraid of the the unpredictability of it, right? I was afraid of phone calls and getting to the point where I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then all of a sudden I just dissolve into like a puddle and don't even know my like middle what name, you, you know? Did you ever just, I just didn't want to talk to people and it's not that I didn't appreciate them. Oh, I and, didn't want to talk to anybody. Right, I was like, I'll be in my talker, cave but, if you need me. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge talker, but I was like, I don't want to talk to you. Mm -mm. And then people think it's weird. They, right. they have the curiosity and they wanted to ask you how she passed. And I actually right. felt good. It felt weird. That, that I was okay. I can yeah, talk clinical was... all day. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, the post yeah. where I exposed my raw feel feelings, to me, that was a pivotal moment because that's where I think I started to accept what I couldn't. And what I couldn't accept, and I know this might not be permanent or it could be, is that, and I know everybody say, says this and it's so cliche, but when they die, they take a piece of you. She literally yeah. took a my personality. I watched a part of me die. And again, I'm not saying I can't recover. It's I mean, maybe I had something similar to a stroke where other parts of me will take over. But she was so fundamental in showing me the path in my life that I was pleased to be on. And now I feel like I have this guide and she's gone and I don't know how to make good decisions right now again I interesting because it clouds your perception right. yep but i did not realize how instrumental that dog was and her personality was very different than mine i'm an extrovert i thrive on people i go outside and i need to talk to them and i'm lively and she would just stand there and be like oh, tell me when you're done they don't have any chicken <laughs> i really don't care about these people but at home or when she had her people she was lively yeah vivacious and everything I got to see and fall in love with. So losing that kind of introverted bestie friend that made really good decisions really just rocked my world. Yeah. And when so did you realize the personality shift? Like when did you, like when did that um, come to the surface? I would say around that post, which was two or three days before I actually put that post up. So I think early around the first I hate to be pivotal with the change yeah of the year. yeah yeah yeah. but it was around I feel like December 29th is sticking out in my head that just was okay. a day where and again I realized this could have happened sooner but I prolonged the grief by being so busy right that I just I really struggle with feeling as if my personality has changed my my goals and aspirations my desire I love helping people I love it. I love my podcast. I have yeah. really good episodes lined up that I can't record. I just don't have the oomph anymore. And again, right. I know it's grief. But I also have started to see things I don't like. And I'm trying to use my positive reinforcement training to see the good. And again, you know this too. The amount of people and the random people that you've had mild interactions with or small interactions with the things they have sent or wrote. Oh, are, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then there's the others where you're just. Right. <laughs> and, and part of it is our own healing journey and self-centered. And I find this too. I have some friends that since Debbie's passing have lost dogs. And I get when you want to be like, oh, it, I'm with you. I understand. You don't want to hear that. Because even though I know you. No, do, you don't. It, understand. 
it's so different. Right. I don't compare your it's grief different. to my grief. We have similar trajectories nope. and we go through similar feelings. Right. But I don't, I, I've learned the value. Oh, pardon me. We're, uh, yeah. we're are, are we on alert? <laughs> yeah, no. And I think that that leads to the conversation about like, you know, what do you say to people, you know, even at the trial, you know, of like, you know, you know, do you say how you're doing? Like I've started to say to people I know well, I'll say something like, are you accepting hugs? And because that gives some people a sense of like, nope, I'm not because I will dissolve into a puddle right here and I have to run my dog. And other people are like, yeah, I am. I'm okay with that. Like whatever. And so, but I think that that the ones that I think both of us are kind of speaking to that we hate the most are as soon as you say like, oh, I lost my dog. They say, I know exactly how you feel. Like, first of all, this sentence was not about you. It was about me, you know, and they just turned it around. I know exactly. And everybody's done it. I've done it. I'm sure I've I've done done it it at some point in my life. I'm sure I have. I know how you feel. to whomever remembers me doing it, I'm sorry. (laughs) Right. And I feel Um, the same. And I think if that's a big takeaway from this, it's- yes. And again, none of us in grief lose sight of how helpful and kind and thoughtful everyone is trying to be. Right. But I've learned, and I even, I've read some books on this to help me try and deal with it. One of the things I've learned is when you have somebody else going through grief, recognizing and just saying, I'm sorry for what you're going through is yes. more impactful than, I know what you're going through. I lost my dog. Because right. I don't want to be this way, but I was like- you know, some people, random people are like, that was just a pet. You barely knew that dog. That wasn't even oh. your, you know. Well, that's and- an unfriend situation. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yes. That's- I'm teasing mostly, but yes. <laughs> and I know being on the other side, it's really hard to know how to deal with grief. My poor yeah. mother, my mother oh, yeah. saw me crumbling and she she's done some crazy <laughs> things. She's I've had to literally be very candid with her and be like, no, please do not come out here right now. And she's like ready to drive. When I was down in Florida, my father, I haven't talked to him since 2002. She contacts him to come make sure I'm like, oh, Oh, my, it got really, really crazy. But I understand that that was coming from my mother being so worried and caring and helpless. Right. She feels helpless. She can't help you. And I think think that's part of the other aspect of the community, right? There's nothing anybody else can do. We know the pain of it, but it's a helpless feeling. And what was meaningful to me is I've always, my mother's never been, you know, a dog person. It's fine. But she may not understand what I was going through, but she understood how hurt I was. And she did not trivialize that it's just a dog and all. And so that that made me appreciate her that much more because here's a woman that she has, she understands death and grief, but she doesn't understand the loss of an animal, but she does understand the implicit pain that her daughter is going through. Right. So So you took a very constructive approach and, um, and I give you lots of credit because you went to the books, right? You went to books and articles. It is not like me actually, but (laughs) I felt so, so insane if that makes sense so out of character and and out of control and and I needed to know it was normal and I knew there were the five stages of grief and I wanted to read more about bargaining was bargaining like I'd give anything to have her back like there right I needed to understand it because I knew it had been studied because it was so wild and wildly different from my other dogs that yeah but the, see that i think is really important because many of us have lost multiple dogs right over time 
Um, and we expect that we know what's going to happen. But then for it to be different for different dogs, I think also surprises us. And then that makes the gives another layer to the grief, right? Because wait, I thought I knew how to go through this path. I thought I knew how to walk this path. And now all of a sudden you're like, but it's different. It's so different. And then you you would I believe you brought this up previously, or we talked about it prior. The loss, it's not just the loss of that being, but then the loss of our agility journey. You yes. you're mourning a shift yep. in life that yeah. you know, again, to some of you, oh, whatever, it's just agility, it's dog agility, it's a hog. Oh no, yeah. It it was my life. And what I took for granted for Debbie, but didn't, I always said, oh, she's my comfy shoe. She'll get it right. I secretly and deeply loved to know that I could oh, it with the other dogs and then just run out there and get it with her. And to know, you know, part, I always joked and was like, oh, she reads numbers. But to some degree, I was part of that equation. <laughs> she I, <laughs> didn't just go out and teach herself. And so she represented everything good in my training and she started, she was my KPA dog, which is Karen Pryor Academy. Um, she put me on the trajectory and allowed me to see so much more good and benefit from the good. I'm not oh, yeah. that my other dogs are any less than, and that their journeys have taught me. I mean, many of their journeys have taught me more. I actually wish that I knew more earlier with Debbie because we did go through all the stress and everything and I had weeple issues, but she was so resilient and so forgiving and just so go with the flow and so dependable right. that to lose that comfort slipper was, yep. it's just you, every shoe I put on right now hurts my feet. And it's just, it's devastating. And so yeah. that's, that's where I can relate to with other agility people or obedience people you know, and even to a degree, I had a woman reach out to me that had boxers. She lost her service dog. And oh. I have another friend that actually lost her service dog who was an agility dog. And that hit me because those dogs, I would right. go to the store, go somewhere else and Debbie would be home. Or, you know, I've flown right. without her for a couple of days. Those dogs were with those people 24-7. So to yeah. have that, not to pick them up and lift them up and just... You know, all the little things we go through last night oh. I was doing well for a couple of days. And then I just, I looked down the stairs and I thought I saw her coming up the stairs. I was like, oh, wait, no. Oh. And just those little punches to yeah. that. Because your brain is so used to that happening. For 10 years, she did the same right. thing every single night. And so that, I think we grieve, you know, every, I stopped training her because honestly, she hated going to agility class anymore, which makes oh, no funny. sense. It's in the same right. place for trial. Who I'm not even going to bother to figure it out, but at about six years old, I stopped taking her to class. I'd bring her occasionally, and then she'd be a stick in the mud. We'd joke about it. <laughs> I'm like, really? You'll run, you know, 6.3 yards per second on this very same turf on a similar course, and we come to training where you're getting food on the course. Right. <laughs> She's like, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what did you learn in your research, or what did you learn that you want to share that you think is applicable to this? Because I'm I sure think, you learned a lot. I <laughs> like, did learn a lot. Hours worth. <laughs> and I don't think I'm going to teach anybody anything new to anybody that's been through grief. But I'm going to tell everybody else that hasn't or hasn't recently, as you know, much research as I did, 
There is nothing that you can do um, to hasten it, to slow it, to control yeah. it, to harness it, to make good of it, to make bad of it. And um, it, it's not your job to ask people to be understanding. They just have to be. And I think the biggest thing is for anyone going through grief, the best words are, I am so sorry for what you were going through because that does not put you in the equation. It acknowledges Thank them. You. And it says yep. that you're going through something. I don't know what it is. I can't possibly understand what it is, but I am deeply sorry for you having to go through that. And out of yeah. all the research, I know that's like, wow, not very profound, but in a different way, all these different books and researchers and, and um, psychologists all said the same thing and that it is so personal. And I'm not going to yeah. lie. I know I've seen on Facebook, somebody two or three years later posting a post. I'm like, that was a long time ago. Time means zero. Right. Zero. Right. It right. just, and the only thing I hate about time is the further I get away from her passing, the, the less crisp my memories become. Yes. And, I and hate you, that. You, you mourn the tangible. I could touch her and feel her. My husband and I always talk about her little leathery skin. She had old lady leathery skin and <laughs> terrible breath and all that. But you just <laughs> miss those things. And what's interesting is I have two of her children, her offspring, and I can touch them and smell them and look at them. And everything about them is so wildly different. They don't have yeah. any in them. But when she was alive, I was like, oh, look, she looks like Debbie. She smells like Debbie. Looks like Debbie. No. Right. And it's just fascinating to me. I'm a very tactile, very visual person. And when the memories fade, that's what makes me more sad. Right. And I go yeah. through my phone and I have 22,000 pictures. <laughs> no. And a lot of them are her. But I can't, I can't remember, you know, that one little white hair. And that I'm starting to grieve that, that we're moving into a different error where I've learned my day-to-day -day without her and it's generally right. okay. Um, but I'm sad that my crisp memories of her are fading. So yeah. You brought up your other dogs. How was how has it affected your the dogs, your pack? Because so Indy I, was my pack leader. Debbie was my pack leader. And yeah. um I will say so each dog handled it differently. At first, I didn't notice anything with Wendy. She's the two and a half year old. But I have to say, so it's with many dogs, but particularly boxers, when you bring unrelated females or even related females into the same household, particularly when some are intact, you can have what they call bitch fights. And they are sure. territorial and can be to the death. And it's always been a fear of mine. And Wendy couldn't have been more of a spectacular addition. She made Debbie younger because she forced her to play. She would bite her hocks uh. until she would. And Debbie could give up. Debbie could walk away and be sure, like, sure. But she yeah. always usually gave in. Or sometimes she'd climb up on the couch, very rarely. But she always gave in and played and always warmed my heart. And she and Phoenix, Wendy and Phoenix, always had this great relationship. Phoenix is Debbie's daughter. And when Debbie passed, Wendy and Phoenix did not play for weeks. And still, I have to really instigate it. They coexist uh, fine. They sleep fine. There's no animosity. Yeah. The play is not there. I believe Phoenix felt it as hard as I did. Um, very, I know dogs can't get depressed, but very depressed, very lethargic. I, yeah, yeah. I think they probably Often. can, but yeah. yeah. 
Um, Walter was a little bit more sleepy. Wendy, not so much because she's young and crazy, but not as playful. Definitely yeah. not as playful. And it's almost like she grew up faster in, you know, the month and a half it's been. So yeah. but that's, Debbie was the leader. And I think we're all kind of a little lost. You know, yeah. she was, so I did some silly things. I create everybody except for Debbie, which if you've read on Facebook, Debbie got into a lot of stuff in my house and it makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> but Walter will jump on the door. Phoenix, I've seen jump on the door and will counter serve. And Wendy's way too young for me to even trust her. So that made sense for me to put them away. Debbie, who has proven right. to not be trustworthy out and still got out. <laughs> so just coming home and opening that door. Right. Be out, And she would get everybody else going because I would then open all the other crates and she would punch them and we'd all have like, it was crazy. It was yeah. And I was supposed to do the dog trainer, but I loved coming home. Well, no, but we create the environment we want and that was the environment you wanted. Right. I wanted so that's all changed and that's all very sad. Now I let him out of the crate. Sometimes Wendy stays in there. Wow. Phoenix and Walter come out, stretch. They're like, yeah, hey, what's up? There's no well, excitement. Yeah. Trip is, it was the indie son and he was, I will, I will say depressed for two months, yeah. two months. And Moxie, <laughs> poor Mox, um, I think she didn't realize it for days. Yeah. Because, she, you know, we I took her somewhere and then she didn't come back. And she's probably like, oh, she's probably somewhere. You I'm going to make you, I'm gonna make you feel a little better, though. Your dogs knew she was sick before we knew they were sick. Oh, 100%. She could smell sure. it. And so I think. Sure. 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 I think, yeah, sure. she might have been confused and delayed. But I think she probably just living on the hope that she'll come back. But I think she probably does understand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it just was the joke was it was very typical Moxie. She was like, what? What's everybody sad about? And then a couple yeah. of days later, she's like, oh, that happened. <laughs> <And you're> like, <laughs> so but anyway, yeah. OK, so um, anything else you learned that you want to share? Because then I want to ask you a different question. OK, from this your is, research, anything that is helpful. Slight, slightly off topic, but where I felt like I lost some of my identity and personality, yes. an appreciation for my words. And I mm. am empowered to use my words because one of these articles I did read talked about how you can make words pointy and sharp and dull. And and I I love creating images in my head with words. And that's yeah. why I like posting on Facebook. And I am going to try and stay away from the sad, morbid posts only because while they are cathartic and feel good, I can lock them down because right here, this is, this but is also as a Facebook memory in a year when that pops back right. up. But, and <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's the third valid point. The second <laughs> point is when I post them 10 minutes later, or because that one was two days prior, I didn't feel that way anymore or not as strongly. Oh, so people's right. reactions, which were caring and thoughtful and wonderful. They're like delayed. Like, They're not timely like, kind yeah, of. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, I'm fine. Like, my, yeah. you know, my mother would call right away and I was like, mom, that was like two days ago. I'm fine. Like, right. I know. I just posted right. it so everybody understood that if somebody's going through this, this is how raw it is and this is how it is affecting me. So, And also kind of a little bit like, and I've had to say to my students and they've been very understanding. They, I'm always a person you can come up to and I never, ever said no. And now I'm like, not right now. I can't right now. I can't yeah. help you. You know, and I've, that's not something that I've been able to do easily. And it's not something I pride myself in because again, I like to be helpful, but I want right. to give the best assistance. And when yep. I'm not my best, I'm not going to give you crappy advice. I don't want right. to be 
a jerk. And good and- for you for like knowing your boundaries and being like, I can't be who you need right now and who you deserve right now or what have you. So speaking of, tell us how you did. And this is very mindset-y. How did you run at the Invitational? Like, how did you navigate that week only, you know, not even two weeks later? Like, how did you navigate all that? And pick up her bag and all that, like everything. In true crazy fashion, (laughs) I decided Phoenix is such a steady, eddy, lovely dog. And I carried so much baggage with Debbie about I could push her and make her great. That with Phoenix, I literally just said, let's go have fun. And you know where Mm. I channeled my energy? I supported Hmm. everybody else. I went down there and said, I'm going to be everybody's biggest cheerleader. And there's a picture of me on, or everybody sent it from me from ESPN. My arms are shot up in the air (laughs) and I'm just like cheering. I cheered for like a whippet. I don't, I didn't know the person. I, my, my uh, crate neighbors made finals. I I was like, go Minnie Aussie. Like, or sorry. (laughs) I literally just dove into because I've been to this event so many times and it's my favorite event. I love this so event. Clouded yeah. and dark for me that yeah. I just had to be happy for everybody else because especially all those people where it was their first invitationals. There was this one woman with a Manchester Terrier. It was her first time going. She was nervous. She looked like a deer in headlights. I stopped her a couple of times to see how she was doing. She was a little overwhelmed, but yep. I wanted to check in on those people. Um, nice. I had some wonderful people that said your podcast has helped me so much. I had to go that way because any other way was going to be a dark, cryy hole. Um, <laughs> right. I, just because I didn't want to put disappointment or pressure on Phoenix. And Phoenix rose to the occasion. That's so cool. She hadn't run 20 inches in a long time. She'd been at 16 preferred. A month prior, I just moved her back up to get her used to invitationals. She, I couldn't be more proud of the weight that she carried in those circumstances she is not a big event dog. There were many reasons I thought about not going. She was one of them. Why bring a dog right. that's like ho-hum about big events down to a yeah. massive event? Um, no, I was, I'm pretty proud of how I handled myself at the invitationals, but I'll tell you the the backlog of that or the <laughs> was not good. Yeah, because yeah, it all hit like a wave, like the tide coming back in. Yeah. The drive home, I cried pretty much from Florida to New Jersey. And I could still see, oh. don't worry. Everyone's like, oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> I honestly could have driven the entire 20 hours home. But if it were mother, yeah. my lawyer friend, and my husband, <laughs> they're like, please stop. My lawyer friend was like finding hotels for me. And I finally came to my senses when I got to New Jersey and I realized if I make it into New York and suddenly get tired, because you get tired from crying. Oh, then where there's are you going to There's nowhere to stay. Right. No, there's nowhere. What, am I going right. to stay at the Waldorf yeah. for 2009? Right. <laughs> right. So I, right. I did wise up and stayed in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, and it was phenomenal. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. Invitationals, I, I, I'm pretty proud of how I powered through that. Um, and I just got behind other people because I knew at that time for my personality that that was going to make me feel better. Yeah. I think one of the ways it's changed is how I comment on other people's posts. You know, I think that has changed for me. Um, I miss 
her energy. Yeah. I'll take over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the energy, it's it's amazing what their energy, not their, you know, playfulness, their, what it brings to the house and what it brings to the pack and what it brings to you. And I think the comfort, I have a friend that just recently lost her heart dog. And um, she jokingly said, and I can relate, and please don't judge any of us for saying this, but she's like, yeah, I feel like I'm left in a house full of schmucks. And it's just. <laughs> I get it, that. I understand I that. I'm that. Not and it's badly. not to disparage. It's not to disparage right. the other dogs. I love them all dearly. <laughs> but Debbie was. Right. See, there you go. I got you laughing. Oh, just me. Yes. Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> it's, I couldn't relate to her more on that because right. you, I think part of grief is resentment for what's left because they're not what you lost. And again, that's not to discredit what's there. They're all amazing creatures, but you didn't have, and you, you may later on, but you didn't have that relationship with them because they're just naturally younger and even if you have, well, an but also dog, you have an individual relationship with every dog yes. is different. Yes. Yeah. And so you're going to mourn the best that you had with the dog that you lost. You're not going right. to mourn the horrible things. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Right. So here's, here's a positive. I try, <laughs> positive. I try and find a positive in everything. There's like three things that Debbie's passing has alleviated in my life. So okay. every Tuesday I do toenail tone up Tuesday. Um, I would do these exercises in the basement with these three peanuts and yep. they leads off of an old ottoman i have that's squishy and i have them sit on the ottoman and i have them walk slowly the object about the objective about conditioning especially on unstable surfaces is to move slowly debbie right. would always always leap from one <laughs> she would miss this one blue peanut she hated the blue peanut and i needed her to be on the blue peanut because the smaller peanut to the other peanut to stretch and i would stretch her and lay her down stretch her and lay her down and i fought with her like every week and so that fight's gone. All my other dogs, yeah. I appreciate because they're like, hmm, you get on the blue peanut just fine. You do this right. stretch just fine. Just fine. Yeah. One less set of nails. Are, we're saving on food. Like all these little silly things. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and I'm not going to lie. Because of her stomach troubles, I traveled with basically a throw-up kit. I had oh, women. Right. I watched. And I don't even know this girl. She must have thought I was nuts. We were at a trial. <laughs> Debbie was having an episode. Um, yep. and I would put a wee wee pet in, she would throw up, I'd ball it up, throw it away. It was like, I was just, that's gross. Right. Who wants to see that? You know, so, know. Oh, just to relate. so interestingly enough, I said, okay, well, if my dog has a GI bleed, is that related to the throwing up? They're like, no, her heart was probably causing the vomiting. Because, yeah. When most people have a heart attack, they tend to feel nauseous or throw up. So generally huh. every time she's having a heart episode from this giant tumor, was probably her, um, you know, having a heart episode. Interesting. Yeah, because I was like, how are these related? Huh. She also have IBD. And they're like, no. So just no. wow. I, when, you know, like you, you're like, yeah, she has Lyme. Yeah. Okay, lymph nodes swollen. No big deal. It's great. Right. right. Yeah, I was convinced yeah. Interesting. dog had IBD. 
And like I said, sometimes wow. we too much. All right. So one other aspect of grief that I always talk about is because people have come to me with like goals and they're like, I don't know why I'm so sad. Like, you know, it's just agility or whatever, you know, like if we can't do agility anymore because our dog gets injured or, you know, like I had that a little bit of trip trip. Definitely. He can't do agility anymore. He just can't. And the sad thing is, is he has all the heart and not the physical ability at this time. And it's just, it kills me. And so I always tell people like, no, what you're feeling is grief because you are having to let go of the journey that you thought you were going to have together or the goals that you were going to have. And, and people are like, yeah, but it's not the same as losing a dog. And I was like, ah, da, da. do not <laughs> compare grief. We do not compare grief stories. You can have, you know, we, we, this is not a contest. Grief is not a contest both. You get to have both kinds of grief. You get to have big, you lost my dog grief. You get to have grief because your dog is injured, but you also get to have grief because you didn't finish that title by the end of the year, or you didn't qualify for nationals. You didn't qualify for agility. You missed it by one weekend, by one trial. I once missed invitationals by three points, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get, that gets to be a version of grief and we're not going to do the compare thing. We're not going to be like, oh, well, mine was worse because my dog died faster. You, you at least, your dog died in six months. Like what? We're not doing that. We're not comparing grief. You and I know you had not. a story about having to let go of agility or let go. What was your, you had a story about that. I did. <laughs> I can't remember at the moment, but one of the things I will say is, I had a small experience mourning grief when Walter had IBD. I decided to stop his agility journey because there's no point. No dog wants to run with a sore stomach and you can't feed a dog with a sore stomach. And, you know, there were there was that. Yeah. But, you know, mourning Debbie's journey. Oh, I do. Yes. The story. Sorry. I'll come back. But yes. <laughs> no, but grief does crazy things to our brains. <laughs> grief does, oh, I sidestep. I forget. I'm generally, I can be a forgetful person, but I'm very organized. So everything's in my Google calendar. Yeah. I would do things like the weekend or two after Debbie's passing, I was entered in a trial. I had since pulled from a bunch, which is shocking for me. That did not go well. Being at home was not good. Um, no, that's not good. Better to go. Yes. So anyways, I went to this trial and again, wanted to be helpful. I said, oh, I'll play DJ and I'll bring my wooden letters when you get your mock. I forgot my phone that has all the music in it. <laughs> or three days in a row i forgot my wooden letters like four days in a row i just and that wasn't like me i would set a google account look care remembers that stuff i have become so forgetful of interesting trivial things but important that are important to me and so that yeah i oh yeah part of it is also i'm sure just physically lack of sleep and then, well, but it's uh, it's what your brain does under stress. I mean, we talk about that a lot of times in terms of like the mindset of like we don't realize that like your brain just shuts off. Like it's because it's dealing with too much. It's like danger, Will Robinson, overload, like whatever you want to call it. It can't. It can't do brain things right now when you are under stress or grief or you know all of these other things that come from the outside. Your brain just is like, nope, not today. <laughs> Yes. And so talking about grief, there's not just loss of animal life or loss of human life, but there's, as you mentioned, the loss of journey. And literally two or three days, I think, after Debbie passed, a, um, a veterinarian was running her young two-year-old lab on a Friday. 
at a jelly trial, had a killer premiere run. We were all joking because the her blind was like, oh, you almost got an enema from your dog from that blind. <laughs> like, the dog was really fast. The next yep. morning, she lets her dog out of the crate, lets out a bark, massive seizure, gone. This oh was a dog God. that just made it into masters, was having great success. So now you have the trauma that no one can understand but that person of losing such a young dog. And now she's lost not only her journey, but the what could have been. I lost oh. the what I had. She lost right. the what could have been. And right. a lot of us can understand that when you set goals. And then yep. this this woman had goals for this dog, no doubt. And then you can't attain them because that dog has gone. And I had a little, I had a very small version of that with Debbie. You know, she made it to POC 14. So I was like, oh, we'll make it to POC 15. She had nine <laughs> W's towards POC 15. And I'm not going to lie. I know she's gone, but there's still part of me that wants to pull up that spreadsheet and be like, oh, we could do it. We could do it. And I'm like, oh, you're twisted. She's gone. But there's still <laughs> right. that part of your brain that's like, yeah, find a way to get well, this done. You know, Indy had shifted to scent work. And, um, and I like there, she has two, uh, you know, unfinished titles. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it could not be a more trivial thing in the big scheme of the world. And yet I was like, okay, her, this, this year, her 12, 12 and a half year, whatever, how we want to think about that was the only year she didn't get a title. She got a title in every other year of her life. And she needed one more cue here and two more cues here to finish those title. I mean, and I'm laughing because it seems the further away I get, it seems so silly. But at the same time, those losses of goals can be massive. And and can and that poor lab woman, like oh. that is going to take a minute. I mean, because that right, is... Right, because you can't just geez. like okay, let me start with another. No, she's going to get a puppy and you're like, a, you know, 15 months or more away right. from another new journey. So she had so much, she was having such great success and this dog was two. Actually, it was a week shy wow. of second birthday. Second birthday. Wow. It's second birthday. <laughs> and so I felt deep empathy for her because I had my own grief and understanding of a journey lost she had a journey yet to happen lost. Right. And I think when you set goals, we all have a little bit of tiny, again, I don't mean a size compare, but a, a small sure. version of grief when we can't hit a goal that we want to. Yeah. That we've set. Yeah. And with Debbie, I I joked with my husband last night. I said, with Debbie, I had to keep moving the goalpost. It was kind of a joke. Like, uh, yeah, we a, well, let's make up some arbitrary. I know. I, I joked yeah. around with Maureen because she has an incredible nine and a half, 10 year old dog that we just are like, what arbitrary goal are we going to make up now to keep ourselves going? You know, because these dogs have nothing else to prove, but we Never, like to have right. check marks. Right. Yep. It's, you know, with my other dogs, it's, whoa, that was too lofty. Notch that one back <laughs> a bit. Yeah. And it's, it's <laughs> funny to be now I'm in that complete different perspective. And as I would tell any of my students, you know, lower your criteria if you're not successful so that you can be successful. And I, right. I didn't have to do that with Debbie. I had to always. Well, we, it's funny because we, and even in this grief story, right, as you're going through your own grief of whatever it is, you know, we, there's a thing in training that you don't want to let your dog fail more than twice, right? You got to bring it back down. You got to break it down, whatever you got to do. And I think that's true of us. 
you know, in this journey, you know, like don't set ourselves up for being able to do something that you think is out of range. Like if your version of grief is, you know, seven days of Ben and Jerry's and, you know, the movie channel, then like, that's what it is, you know? Um, but if you need to get back out there and go to every trial possible so that you don't think about anything else, that's okay too. Like it's, it's whatever your story is, is okay. You I know, think it's also and okay I, to be lost and figure it out because that's yes. I don't accept well. I'm a planner and yep. I plan things. And then when I was going to trials and I was deeply unsatisfied, I, the last trial I went up to up here, it was so silly, but it hit me. I was, um, I, my friend had made plans prior. This is, this is silly. My friend had made pr plans prior to Debbie's passing to go to this trial at, in Pennsylvania on her own. I was going to take Wendy. I was going to have this bonding experience. And I, prior to Debbie's passing, was having separation anxiety feelings about being away from Debbie at a trial without her. <laughs> so that was, but I. Right. And that was like pre. Yeah. That was pre. Yes. Pre-death. <laughs> um, Pre-mortem. Pre and so it was just silly. And then this friend had something in, in her life and she canceled. And I cried, like stupid cried for a long time. And it wasn't because, you know, the friend couldn't come, but it was, can I do this by myself? You know, mm. I've lost Debbie. I've lost this friend that she was great. Cause she would just be like, let's go to this park and our dogs get along. And I'm again, I'm a planner, but as I don't know if this happens with you, but as a leader in life, I do enjoy sometimes playing the tag along and just being like, Where yes. are you going? Right? it's such a break. Yeah, it because is. yeah, because we plan, we control, we control. And so to have that one person in your life that you can be like, here are the keys, you you take charge for a while is I think such a gift. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I ended up going anyways and I had a wonderful time. Um, some other friends actually made the trek with me, but nice. it, it was great that we could just I went in a hotel and just like laid on the bed. I don't do that. I I'm always like busy here doing yeah. this. I'm home, I'm doing laundry, I'm doing something else. So I, what I did realize, and in between that, I have taken off several weeks and I have like, I'm not doing anything this weekend. I'm supposed to paint my bedroom, but that thought is disgusting to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't muster the energy because you know, this is the bedroom where everything happened with Debbie. Yeah. yeah. So that's really, really hard. And I, when I went to invitationals and the other trials, I thought I was just pushing my grief away, but I have figured out that I'm at this point where um, I, I probably should start trialing again because I am happier at a trial. Right. I'm not. Yeah. Happy. I mean, I think that's an interesting balance, right? Like trials, a lot of times are our happy places. Um, but they also are going to be packed full of memories. Mm -hmm. So which thing wins and one thing's going to win one day and another day, something else is going to win. And I think what hits us is the surprise that like the surprise of like, yes, Oh, I'm so glad it came to the trial. And then the next day you're like, wait, it's literally the same trial the next day and I just want to be home. And mm -hmm. listening to yourself and giving yourself permission that, to your point, there are no rules about this grief thing. Um, and to just listen and go inward with what you need versus like outward in these expectations and thinking that you're going to control how this journey goes because you won't. <laughs> also, I will say one of the smarter things I did was go to this trial outside of my normal region. Oh, and I had a different perspective and I don't know if it was luck, the weekend, the people, but I looked around and, you know, this is definitely a topic for another podcast, 
I need to commend these people. Again, I don't know if it was the crowd or whoever entered, but I saw a lot of people being really nice to their dogs and Ooh. really crazy, stupid things were happening in the rings. Like there were, there was, there was <laughs> errors left and right. You know, of course it was usually the human and they would be like, oh, that's me. Good try, buddy. I just, I, in my dark days, I've seen some yucky things from people. Yes. But going yeah. to this trial really highlighted the good. And nice. um, I had a wonderful boxer person that I've been helping out. You know, she's just been dealing with some a normal boy boxer stress in the ring. And I got to meet her in person, which was really nice. And she brought me this really nice embroidered bag with a saying from my podcast. And it was just really touching and meaningful. And then I felt like I had a purpose and I wanted to help her where the other trials back home, I was turning to my students and saying, I can't right now. This one was like, I've got nowhere to be. I'm going to stay for the novice. I'm going to go run Wendy. I'm going to come back. And I had missed, I forgot one of her dogs was open. So I missed the open run. I felt horrible about it. She's like, don't worry about it. Yeah. So I was able to watch the novice runs, runs and video them. And so that gave me a little bit of hope. I don't know if I'm ready to do that at home yet, if that makes sense, but traveling. Yeah both to invitationals and outside of my state gave me a fresher perspective. Like invitationals, nice. I could bury myself in, I know how hard everybody worked here and I can support them and I can get behind that. Right. And because the local trial, I don't know, I don't know their journey as much. Invitationals, you can assume a lot. Sure. And um, at this local trial, I was just, I just wanted to shout out to everybody that you were so lovely to your dogs. Nice. That's very cool. Really refreshing to see, to start the year off that way. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we could talk for hours and days <laughs> um, and uh, we could probably even revisit it and maybe as the journey continues for each of us, but um, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to parting words, any parting thoughts? No, I just really appreciate you, um, you know, bringing this topic up because I think it isn't talked about enough and I've been very fortunate to reach out to others that I know lost dogs just right after me. And I now feel more confident and comfortable in what to say. And yeah. I think all of us going through grief, never overlook your, um, the goodness in your heart to make us feel better. But yeah, you know, just we're extra sensitive in a raw wound and, right. you know, be gentle. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's great. I, a friend of mine lost her dog unexpectedly right after I lost Indy. And it was interesting because we found that we would just send a little text that said, just checking in, just thinking of you. I don't want anything. I don't even need you to report for duty. Yep. I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you. And we did that like back and forth for like a couple weeks and it naturally tapered. You know, the days got farther apart or whatever that we did that. But it was just nice. You just want to know that someone's witnessing it, you know? And I do hear the people that have been through this and I do understand many people had novice dogs that you were as impactful as my yeah. baby. Um, and I will yeah. say that. Some people still do this at a trial and it does not bother me in the least. If you call me Debbie, it's okay. <laughs> I had somebody do that and they were like, oh my God, it's so hard. I'm so like, hard. It's, You're like, I compliment. It's just a compliment. Want. Yeah. It is a compliment. It's just a compliment. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Kira, so much. Um, thank you for having and uh, I really appreciate this and, uh, just thank you for all the compassion and all the learnings that you shared. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. 
I am so grateful for your precious time. Check out my Dogged Planner workbook and journal available on Amazon. Just search for Dogged Planner. I also offer monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out all the ways you can work on your mindset. And be sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at theqcoach and let me know how it's going. Finally, please share, subscribe, and leave a review. This helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.